Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. The church has virtually fallen silent on the subject. We can't take a chance of offending anybody. And instead, we talk about all different kinds of things and we never get around to the subject that touches virtually every single life that we know. Divorce, it's a word that brings up a lot of emotion for many of us. Broken dreams, broken promises, and broken lives are all part of the aftermath of divorce. In our culture today, it would be hard to find even one person who has not been impacted by divorce in some way, either by going through a divorce personally, the child of a broken home, or an immediate family member that has been through a divorce. Statistically speaking, the divorce rate is just as high among people who follow Jesus as those who don't. Is that just the way it is? Should being a fully devoted follower of Jesus have a bearing on our thoughts and decisions on divorce. If anything I say today offends or hurts you, please know that my heart is to give truth. Hello and welcome to a very important edition of Crosswalk. Of course, we believe each week's teaching is important because all of God's Word is relevant for our lives and needs to be studied and applied. In 2014, we've been making our way through the book of Mark in our series, Jesus, the Real Action Hero. Today, we come to chapter 10 of the book of Mark, and as you'll hear in a moment, Jesus was asked a question by some religious leaders about divorce. What he has to say on the subject of divorce was probably more than what the religious leaders expected, and what Jesus had to say probably sounds out of step with what our culture today thinks of divorce. But as Pastor Clay is going to remind us today, if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we have to follow Jesus. I'm single. I'm married. I'm divorced. Wherever we are, it's about getting to the truth of God's Word to discover how we then come to all that God wants us to be. Whether you're married or single, whether you've been through a divorce or not been through a divorce, it's important to know what God has to say on the subject and what He expects of those who call themselves followers of Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's Pastor Clay with today's message. I don't know who this guy is, Coleridge. This guy uh, said this. He said, uh, the most happy marriage I can picture would be the union of a deaf man to a blind woman. Now, I would, I, I would have never said that. I, I would have I would have never said that. I would just read it, but I would never, I would never say it. But, um, but you, you can, you can kind of understand, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if you are or have been married, you know, because, um, because sometimes wives, bless their hearts, they just have to, it'd be better if they just didn't see how idiotic we men can act sometimes, right? It's like, have, come on, have any of you wives ever said, he, he is so stupid? Come on, come on. Why does he do, well, I wish I just hadn't even, hadn't seen what is he doing. I did something the other day that Cindy just laughed at me. It was, it was pretty stupid, but I don't remember what it was. Right? And, and sometimes, it, it's rumored that sometimes men have a hard time listening to their wives and, and hearing their wives when they're we're talking about it. She's so, you know, the most happy marriage I can picture would be the union of a deaf man to a blind woman. I, this is what I do know. I know that, that, Man, uh, marriage is hard. <laughs> Sometimes, I mean, it, marriage is hard, right? And, it's, and, and when we enter into this thing called marriage, uh, we, we do so with, with all the expectations that it's going to be fantastic, it's going to be great, it's, it's going to be wonderful. And, and, and sadly, oftentimes, too many times, 
what starts out as this, as this great love story ends up as a, a no-holds-barred steel cage grudge match. And many people, many of you in this room today or who will listen to this message, started out saying and hearing, I do, and ended up saying or hearing, I want a divorce. There are very few subjects that I can think of that are more sensitive than the subject of divorce. One of the reasons that, that the subject of, of marriage and divorce and remarriage, one of the reasons that subject is so uh, sensitive is because it touches so many lives, doesn't it? According to um, some uh, professional psychology institute, Forest Institute of Professional Psychology, uh, they said 50% of first marriages, 67% of second marriages, and 74% of third marriages end in divorce. Uh, now, the Enrichment Journal, their numbers were a little lower, at least on, on the first and second marriages, but the Enrichment Journal said uh, the divorce rate in America for first marriages is 41%, for second marriages is 60%, for third marriages it's 73%. Interestingly enough, that, that third marriage number is virtually identical uh, to the other study uh, that I, I looked at. If you're on your third marriage, you're not doomed, okay? All right? Hear me say that. But here's what, the, here's what those numbers mean. It means that, that almost certainly there is, there is I, I would venture to say, no one in this room who has not in some way been impacted or touched by divorce. Either as a person who has gone through it, or the child of a, of a divorce, or a very close family member or, or friend who has experienced and been through divorce. I, I would dare say we'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that has not in some way been touched by divorce. So it makes it a difficult subject to talk about. And as a result of that, can I just be honest with you? As a result of that, the church has virtually fallen silent on the subject of divorce. Because we, we, can't, we can't take a chance of offending anybody, right? And instead, we talk about all different kinds of subjects, dealing with all different kinds of things, and we never get around to the subject that touches virtually every single life that we know. Um, one of the great things, one of the things I love about preaching through books of the Bible, like I tend to do, not always, but, but for the most part, I tend to preach through books of the Bible. One of the things I love about preaching through books of the Bible is, is I, don't, I don't have to... I don't have to come up with the subject matter. I, I don't have to think, well, what, I, what haven't I talked about? Have I, have, how long has it been since I talked about sex or stealing or, or what? You know, I don't, I don't have to do that. I, I can just let the text speak for itself. I can just let God speak for himself and, and bring up what God chooses to bring up. And we've been spending a year in the book of Mark. And today we happen to come to chapter 10. So if anything I say today offends you or hurts you, Today, I should say today and two weeks from now, because there's, there's simply too much to cover. In Mark chapter 10, verse 1 through 12, there's too much to cover on the subject of divorce. And I hope that, that if you're here today, I hope that you will come back in two weeks. I, I'm going to be gone next week, but I hope that you will come back and hear, because the second part of what I have to say is very, very important uh, for, uh, for your life. 
But if anything I say uh, today offends or, or hurts you, please understand, please know that my heart, honestly, truly, my heart is not to offend. My heart is not to hurt. My heart is to give truth. Because as, even as we prayed a while ago, God's word says the truth shall set you free. That it is in the truth that we learn what God's plans and provisions are and how we live in right relationship and fellowship with Him. I'm single. I'm married. I'm divorced. I'm somewhere in between. Wherever we are, it's about getting to the truth of God's Word to discover how we then come to all, all that God wants us to be in our lives. We're in Mark chapter 10. You can open your Bible there if you have a copy of God's Word with you. You can flip open your smartphone, your iPad, your hard copy. You can also look up on the screen because we keep the text uh, on the screen as well. We're in Mark chapter 10. We'll be reading verses 1 through 12 today. I will not be able to deal with all of it, but we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of different ideas that we discover as a result of what Jesus has to say in Mark chapter 10 verses 1 through 12. I am, as always, so honored and glad that you're here today. You ready? Here we go. Getting up, he went from there to the region of Judea. He being, it's talking about Jesus. He's, he's been traveling, he's moving, he's making his way. If you're here for the first time, we've talked about this, but he's making his way. He's been up in the northern region of Israel. He's making his way south, heading towards Judea, heading towards Jerusalem. And when we get to chapter 11, chapter 11 opens with, with what's called the triumphal entry. Jesus goes into Jerusalem. So when you see that, the triumphal entry, Jesus has one week to live at that point. So the, the, the next uh, chapters 11 through 16 are talking about just that one week of Jesus' life. So in chapter 10, he's, he's begun to make the turn from up north, where a lot of his ministry has gone on. He's begun to head south, down towards Judea, there to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. Crowds gathered around him again, and according to his custom, he once more began to teach them. Some Pharisees came up to Jesus, testing him, and began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce a wife. And he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? Moses was the, what the Jews refer to, Moses was the giver of the law. He had, he had written down the, the laws and commands that God had given to them for the nation of Israel and how they were uh, to conduct themselves. What did Moses command you? Verse 4, they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce to send her away. I'm thinking this next part came as a bit of a shock to their system. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning, watch this, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. See how he emphasizes it twice? What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. In the house, the disciples began questioning him about this again. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. Father, uh, 
even as we've read your word, there's uh, so much of it that is uh, sobering, uh, especially in the culture in which we live, where uh, quite honestly, divorce has become quite uh, commonplace. And so to hear Jesus suddenly speak these words in, in what it comes across pretty hard, pretty harsh. It's because of the hardness of your heart, Moses gave you this commandment. If a husband divorces his wife and marries another woman, he commits adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Those are, that's a lot for this culture to take in, Father. And there's a lot to unpack about it. There's a lot to say about it. And, uh, and we're going to have to look at a lot of different things to get to what I believe your word teaches on the subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What I'm asking is that uh, the people gathered in this room or who will listen to this message, that their ears would be sensitive not to my voice, but to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That you would speak into people's hearts and lives and that you would uh, break through any barriers in their life, whether it might be defenses that we put up to justify actions, whether it be hurts that we have that have left deep, deep scars that, uh, that make it where we don't even want to feel again. Father God, what, whatever it is, I'm asking that you speak into hearts today. What we want to do, what we want to accomplish is ultimately is to get to where you are, to what you want for us, because that is what is best for us. So uh, just, just walk us through this today, Father God. I am so honored always to be your messenger boy, and I ask that, uh, that the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight and profitable for the people who will hear it. And we pray these things in Christ's strong name. Amen. All right, let's start. Let's start with God's intentions. That's the first, first idea I want to handle today. Let's talk about God's intentions. I said a moment ago that divorce is an extremely sensitive subject to talk about in the culture in which we live. I'm pretty sure that it was a sensitive subject in Jesus' day as well. I'm, I'm I'm thinking that's why the Pharisees brought it up in the first place. It's obvious from their response when Jesus asked them, what did Moses command you? It's, it's obvious that they know the answer as far as the, as far as the, the law is concerned. They know exactly, because they, they, they spout it off, man. They tell him exactly what the law says. It's pretty obvious that they bring the subject matter up in the hopes that either they will get Jesus to say something that will put him at odds with the people, it'll make the people mad, or it's something they'll be able to tuck away and use as a, as a charge against him later, as we, as we know what they're, what they're going to do. They're going to try and bring charges against him. They should have known by now that Jesus was interested neither in his popularity numbers, or was he af- neither was he afraid or in fear of what charges they might bring against him. Jesus was going to speak the truth. And not just the letter of the law. Oh, if we could just learn, if, if people could learn not just the letter of the law, but the intent of the law. Because when you get to the intent of the law, that's when you get to the heart of God. So, uh, so these uh, religious leaders mentioned in verse 2, the Pharisees, they say, uh, uh, what, what, what's the deal on divorce? What do you think about divorce? I'm paraphrasing, but that's in essence what they say. And Jesus responds by saying, what did Moses tell you? Well, uh, Moses uh, issued us a certificate of divorce. Now, if Jesus stops there, that's the end of it. If Jesus says, well, 
There you go. What did you ask me for? You already knew what Moses said. If he stops there, that's the end of it. But if you've been with us through this, through this real action hero series, you know that Jesus is not going to stop there. <laughs> He's not going to stop there. Like a master uh, tactician, Jesus is going to take what they have just said and he's going to use it for a teaching opportunity. He's going to stretch the people's understanding of what, of what this idea of divorce was and, and this certificate of divorce that Moses had issued. Since they brought it up, he was going to clean it up. He was going to give them the truth. So he says, what, what, is, what does Moses say? Moses says they issued a certificate of divorce. He doesn't quit right there, but instead... He gives them, as I said, probably what must have been a, a rather blunt and rude awakening when he says, because of the hardness of your hearts. Oh, Moses gave a certificate of divorce. Because of the hardness of your heart. That's why he gave it to you. Because your hearts are so hard toward the things of God and the way you treat your wives. We'll get to that in a second. That's why he gave you this. And then... And then he makes it very clear for that this was not, the, but, but from the beginning. In other words, Jesus says, you better understand, this is not the way God intended it to be or desired for it to be, but in the beginning, and he takes them all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Way before Moses, way before the giving of the law, he says, it's not, it, it, it's, you're thinking about, the letter of the law. Yes, he granted a certificate of divorce, but he granted it to you because of the hardness of your heart. For it says, but from the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. He goes, goes through that and everything of, of what that means. And ladies and gentlemen, forget about hypotheticals. Forget about you know, what is or how this turned out or how my relationship turned out or, or what this or what that. We can, we can talk about, and we will talk about a number of those things, uh, especially in a couple of weeks. But one thing that is, is crystal clear from Jesus' statement here is that God's intentions for marriage, one man, one woman, one lifetime. That is his intentions. One man, one woman, one lifetime. Now, hold on. Listen, can, I, I, just, I just was just blessed by this. Can you watch this video and just, uh, just, just be inspired? A true, real-life love story comes around just once in a great while. A family in State Center watched one unfold the past seven decades. Gordon and Norma Yeager lived the love story up until the moment they died. They got married here in uh, State Center. May 26, 1939. In this house, on the day she graduated from high school, Norma Stock said yes to Gordon Yeager. They're very old-fashioned. Uh, they, they believed in marriage till death do you part. Dennis Yeager was the last of four children born to Gordon and Norma. His sister Donna was firstborn. Staying together for 72 years, I'd say is good. And nowadays, that's exceptional. The way the kids tell it, dad was the life of the party. Mom kept everything together. Anybody come over, she was the one, the hostess, with the mostest. She just, seriously, the more she did, the, the more she smiled. Dad would be the center of attention going, hey, look at me. And mom's like, get him away from me, you know. 
We even got a picture like that. Norma didn't really want the distance. She hardly left his side for 72 years. They just, just love being together. You know, even like everybody argues once in a while, but they still, you know, he always said, I have to stick around until, um, you know, I, I can't go until she does because I got to stay here for her. And she would say the same thing. It's almost as if they knew. Last Wednesday, they uh, left home to uh, go into town. Somehow there was an accident there. At the intersection of Highway 30 and Jessup Avenue, just west of Marshalltown, state troopers say Gordon pulled in front of an oncoming car. I rushed from Des Moines, where I was working, and uh, saw him in the hospital. In the intensive care unit of Marshalltown's hospital, nurses knew not to separate Gordon and Norma. So they brought him in the same room in intensive care and put him together, and then they were holding hands in intensive care, and then, you know, with the morphine and everything, then they were not really responsive. Gordon died at 3.38, holding hands with his wife. The family they built surrounded them. And it was really strange. They were holding hands and dad stopped breathing. I couldn't figure out what was going on because the heart monitor is still going. And we're like, but he isn't breathing. Why, how would he still have a heartbeat? And she checked and everything and she said, well, that's because they're holding hands and it's going through them. And her heart was beating through him and picking it up. They were still getting her heartbeat through him. At 4.48, exactly one hour after Gordon, Norma passed too. Neither one of them would have wanted to be without each other. I, I couldn't figure out how it was going to work. We were very blessed, honestly, that they went this way. They just, just loved being together. At their funeral yesterday, Norma and Gordon held hands in their casket. They will be cremated and their ashes will be mixed together. Defines a love story, doesn't it? It does. It is incredible. Thanks for that. That's, that's right. That's the fairy tale ending, right? That's what everybody wants. That's how marriage was. It's just the last 50, 60, 70 years and then we, we go out together. I mean, that's, that's the fairy tale ending. But it doesn't end that way very often. Maybe you all have seen this before. Someone has said, uh, that uh, in the first year of marriage, the man speaks and the woman listens. In the second year, the woman speaks and the man listens. In the third year, they both speak and the neighbors listen. <laughs> right? Someone else uh, has said uh, this. Uh, marriage is the process of finding out what kind of person your spouse would have really preferred. A man is not complete until he's married. Then he's finished. All right, I, I, I probably shouldn't do this one, but uh, Freud, Freud said this. Freud said, the great question which I've not been able to answer is, what does a woman want? <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to add a little levity here, ladies and gentlemen, because, because I'm trying to let you breathe. Because some of you are sitting out there and you're saying, I'm dying here. You're sitting there telling me one man, one woman, one lifetime, and it didn't work out that way for me. And I, I just want to know, is there any hope? Is there any chance that I'm okay with God or I can be okay with God or I can, I can have a person that will love me or that I can have a relationship that will last the rest of my life? There is. Listen to me. There is. Absolutely. The text that Moses and the Pharisees were talking about uh, when they were discussing the certificate of divorce, was 
uh, is found in Deuteronomy chapter 24. We're not going to look at it today. But in Deuteronomy chapter 24, it refers to, Moses refers to what is called the certificate of divorce that he, uh, that he instructed the, the men to issue to their wives. In the context of the passage of Scripture, it has to do with, with husbands that were discarding their wives and, and, and the wives, if the wives remarried or, and, and their second husband discarded them as well or, or uh, died, uh, the, the first husband couldn't just come back and, and remarry the wife. It's, it, never mind. I mean, it's not, I don't mean never mind, but I'm just saying the point, what, what, what the point of it is, is understanding that in the culture in which uh, Moses issued that certificate of divorce, you have to understand in the ancient world, women had very, very, very few rights at all. And that wasn't necessarily a Jewish thing. It certainly wasn't a God thing. It was just the world in which people lived where uh, a woman was treated more like a piece of property than a, than a, than a partner and a co-equal in a relationship. Where men would often use, abuse, and then lose their wife. There, there's some, uh, there's some uh, evidence that husbands were discarding their wives for something as trivial as burning his dinner. <laughs> some, of y'all, some of y'all thinking, whew. <laughs> I could be in trouble for that one. So, yeah, and I, let me, the best way to put it is just let Warren Wearsby, I found this at Warren Wearsby, uh, the way he put it I think is good. He says, by giving this command, this is what I want you to understand, by giving this command through Moses to give a wife a certificate of divorce, God was not approving of divorce or even encouraging it. God was seeking to restrain it by making it more difficult for men to just dismiss their wives for any reason whatsoever. He wanted to keep women from becoming victims of their husband's whims. And that's how it was, folks. Listen, today, we live in an age today where a wife uh, might uh, be entitled to sue for half, half the marital assets if the, if the relationship falls apart. That simply was not the case then. It just, it just didn't happen. This, this certificate of divorce, by the way, also made it possible for a, for a woman to remarry. And that was critical in that day and age. Because you have to understand, again, with very few exceptions, there might have been a few exceptions, but with very few exceptions, a woman who could not marry, and, and that, that would be the case. If she doesn't get the certificate of divorce and he throws her out, she cannot remarry because in the Jewish culture, uh, a Jewish man would never marry a woman that was legally married to another man. Oh, no, I'll I'll throw my wife out the door, but oh, no, I would never violate God's law by marrying a woman that was legally married to another man. It was such hypocrisy. And so, for the most part, a woman who could not remarry, a woman who could not marry, it was either her, her, the result was either going to be a prostitute, destitute, or dead. And and I don't think I'm over-exaggerating the situation. So the certificate of divorce, while Jesus makes it clear, that was not what God wanted. It was not God's intention. But for the, for the sake of women who were being cast out by their husbands, God issued this certificate of divorce. No matter where you are in your situation, no matter what you think or, or anything about anything at this point, here's what you need to know. That we have to be willing to concede, hey, I, I, don't, I don't know about what other people think, about to, but, but it's quite clear from what Jesus says that God's intentions is, are one man, one woman, one lifetime. Okay, here's the, the second idea I want to try and get to uh, this morning, if I have just a little bit of time. Let's get to God's prohibitions. Uh, I, want to, I want to give you three prohibitions that, that jump out 
uh, to me that jump out of the text. And I'll go ahead and tell you that two of them don't necessarily have to do with divorce. But they are there. They're in the context of marriage. Jesus is talking about marriage. And, and so I, I think they probably ought to, ought to be mentioned here since they're in the text. You don't have to like what, what I have to say. But I, I, again, I, I think it's just what's in the text. The prohibition is this. Homosexual marriage is prohibited. And this is not about bashing homosexuals or in, in that kind of stuff. I'm just telling you what the text says. Look at verse 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. What is the context in which Jesus makes that statement? What is it? Marriage. Right? Within the context of marriage and divorce, he's talking about divorce too, but the context is marriage. And within that context, Jesus clearly articulates, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. It was God's intention, has been God's intention from the very beginning, that marriage, the union of marriage, be between one man and one woman. And I, I understand that that, that that opens you up to homophobe and, and bigot and hater and, and, and everything else. I, I understand that, but again, I, I will say that truly my heart is to reveal the truth of God's Word and to help people understand why they or someone else uh, can be set free from a life that will keep them in sin and out of the will of God. Whether we're talking about homosexual marriage or whatever we're talking about, that it's, that it's the truth of God's word that sets us free from a life of sin. And remember, doing anything or saying, you know, living a life that is outside of God's will, that is sin, in essence. Um, I think just uh, two weeks ago, uh, the 4th District Circuit Court struck down Virginia's uh, marriage amendment law. Uh, and then uh, just a few hours later, as a result of that, North Carolina's attorney general announced that he would no longer defend North Carolina's marriage amendment law, defining marriage as between one man and one woman. The 4th District Circuit Court's uh, ruling in, in, their, in their write-up afterwards of the majority of judges, I think it was a 3-2 vote or 2-1 vote or whatever, however many it was, in the majority opinion, uh, they wrote that it was the fundamental right, that the reason they were striking down that marriage amendment that defined marriage as between one man and one woman, the reason they were striking that down is because it is the fundamental right, is what they said, of all persons to marry. What I would say is, who has the right to define what marriage is? Who has the right to define what marriage is? And I propose to you that it is God and God alone who has the right to define what marriage is because he is the designer of marriage. It was his invention. He performed the first marriage in the garden. And God clearly articulates in Mark chapter 10 and verse 6 that he made them male and female in the context of marriage and taking it back to Genesis 1 and 2 in the creation in the context. He's talking about the union between a man and a woman and it is in that union that you, have, that you actually have marriage. And in fact, no matter what our culture does, and can I just say this to you? I, 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 I fully anticipate that our culture over the next several years is going to fully embrace uh, homosexual marriage as, as just a norm and, and part of our, our culture. But here's what, here's what we have to understand. It doesn't change God's mind. It, do, it doesn't change God's mind. And, it's, and God's, God's not a gay hater. God's a people lover. And, and people are never, never whole. They're never... what they can be until 
they walk in obedience to him. So I, I do fully anticipate that our culture will embrace that idea and, and it'll just be part of the normal trend. But, but you have to understand that, that, that God prohibits homosexual marriage based on his, his rules. Second prohibition is this, plural marriage is prohibited. Verse 7 and 8, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you, all right? (laughs) And there's nothing against you ladies at all. Love y'all. Love my wife. But honestly, I have no idea why any man would want more than one wife. I, I, I really, I just have no idea why any man would want more than one wife. And I have no idea why any wife would want to share her husband with multiple wives. I, 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 don't, I just don't even get it. But the text is clear. The two shall become one flesh. Not the five or six of us shall become one. Listen, I'm telling you, I, I understand that, you know, to, uh, to us here in North Carolina and, you know, the, the, the idea of, of uh, plural marriages, I understand that may sound kind of strange or odd to us right now, but I, pr- I promise you it's coming. I promise you it's coming where it's going to become pretty commonplace. Some of you probably know there, there are at least two television shows on now running that follow the lives of plural families, plural marriages. Follow them. That's not by accident, by the way. That's designed to, to, to break down your, your initial, ugh. the more you see it, the more you see it, the more you see it, the more you, eh. that That's by intention, but that's beside the point. Anyway, uh, God said this is a special relationship. This is a very special relationship between one man and one woman where they come together emotionally, spiritually, physically, and they form this bond, this union. And don't forget that the, that the, that the marriage, the, the husband-wife relationship is a, is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. The spiritual reality being that Jesus Christ the bridegroom has taken his bride, the church, those who trusted in him, and he has, he has betrothed us to him. There's this spiritual union between us. And plural marriage distorts that picture and disrupts the unity that is, that is designed for what marriage is supposed to be. Now, you may not feel like you have any unity at all in your marriage right now, but, but that's, that's the intent. The two shall become one flesh. Plural marriage is prohibited. Uh, but I, I do think you'll begin to see more and more of it because as a, as a culture, as a culture begins to, to lower uh, the, the moral standards that, that God has established, uh, you'll, you'll just begin to see that culture slide deeper and deeper into depravity. And, and I promise you, uh, again, I know this is not good English, but I promise you, you ain't seen nothing yet as far as, real, what? Uh, okay, real quickly, um, one more. 
disposable marriage is prohibited. I, I couldn't think of anything better to call it other than just disposable marriage. This idea that, well, you know, let's just try it out, see how they, or we're, we're get, you know, I don't know, whatever. Somebody, uh, one of the folks in, in uh, children's marriage this morning was telling me that some state, they thought it was Texas, was considering adopting this law where the first two years of your marriage, you're not technically married. You're like, I mean, you are, but at any point, if you just decide the thing is over, it's, it, it's dissolved immediately, and you walk away with whatever you started with and have, and they walk away with whatever they started with and have, and it's all, it's just, it's a trial, trial marriage. If you make it past two years and you want to renew it, I guess you, you, can, you can do that. Verse uh, 9, what therefore God has joined together, let no man, let no person, separate. It's, a, it's an imperative verb, by the way. It is a commandment of God. If God has joined this thing together, let no person separate this thing. Marriage is not... Now, listen, I know we're getting back to those intentions, right? We're getting back to the intentions of God. But, but I want to make sure that everybody understands that, that this is a commandment of God. Because, you know, sometimes I think we talk about our intentions, right? I may intend to get in better shape, but never get around to it. I may intend to save up some money, but never seem to be able to. And then we excuse away, right? We say things like, well, I, you know, I had good intentions. You know what we say? Well, I had good intentions. And we excuse away our, our inability to follow through on whatever it was we, we were going to do. It's, it's not that way with God's Word. God's Word is based on God's perfect will, and it is not negotiable. It is not up for revision. It's final. And what God has joined together, let no person separate. I, uh, I had to go to a person one time that uh, was a member of, uh, of the church that I was pastoring. And I had to confront them. That's the only word I can use. It was, it was, a, it was a confrontation. I tried to do it in a Christ-like way. But I had to, to confront them about their decision to leave their spouse because of, in their words, they just didn't love them anymore. And, uh, and I knew what God's word says. Or I felt like I knew what God's word said. I felt like I had a responsibility as a pastor to go to them and say, listen, you're stepping out of God's will here. And I went to them and I, and I uh, confronted them about what God's word said and, and the reasons that they were walking out of this marriage. And their response to me was, well, God will just have to forgive me. Listen to me. I, I, I can't even imagine I can't even imagine what it is like to be in the darkest part of a marriage that, that, is, that is just in upheaval or is tearing you apart. Or I, I can't even imagine that, but, but I'm telling you that there's something incredibly arrogant and dangerous about making a willful decision to step out of God's will and then declaring that God has the responsibility to forgive you for that. There's something incredibly arrogant and dangerous about that. I think I've t- told some of you uh, before the story. Cindy and I were on an airplane one time. We were on a flight. Uh, we were sitting on the tarmac, actually, at uh, RDU, flying to Nashville uh, to do a wedding, ironically enough. And we were sitting on the plane. Uh, the lady sitting in front of us, uh, in the course of conversation, it became obvious that she was a flight attendant, but she wasn't working that flight. She was uh, catching a ride home. And uh, one of the girls working the flight, one of the flight attendants working, recognized her and said, hey, how you doing? Great, how you doing? Been a while, hadn't seen you. You know, small talk. And, uh, and then the, the lady that was working the flight said, hey, I heard you're getting married. Congratulations. And she said, yeah, we're really excited. Thanks. Appreciate it. 
And uh, the lady working the flight said to the lady getting married, said, where, where, are, you, where are you guys going to live? And she said, well, we're going to live uh, at his house. Uh, that's where we're going to live. She said, but, but I'm going uh, to keep my place. Because uh, you just never know how it could turn out. Now, that was before they got married. Would you like me to put on like a big Kreskin hat and give you a prediction of how it turned out? It's disposable marriage. I, I, I don't love them anymore. They ticked me off or they did this or they did that. God's intention. Here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to close. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have to follow Jesus. You have to follow what Jesus says. And if Jesus says, one man, one woman one lifetime, that's his intent, then his intent has to be our intent. So I don't know where you are today, married, single, divorced, contemplating divorce, in the middle of divorce, uh, wishing you could get a divorce, uh, scared to death. I don't know where you are anywhere in the process. But I want you to know God's intention. And then I want you to know that there is hope, no matter what situation you're in. In a couple weeks, we're going to look at, are there any exceptions? Are there any exceptions for divorce? Does God give exceptions in any case? And does that allow me to remarry if there are exceptions? And if I am married or I am single or I am divorced or I am wherever I am in this life situation, what are God's expectations on me from this point forward? No matter what, okay, here's what God says. I get it. What, what are God's expectations? Now, here's where I am. Here's what happened. Here's what I've been through. Here's what, now what? We're going to talk about that. We live in a culture today that really gives little to no thought as to what God thinks of divorce. But as followers of Jesus, we have to not only consider what God has to say on the subject, we have to be willing to be obedient to His Word as well. Obviously, Pastor Clay was not able to work through all 12 verses of Mark chapter 10 today. Jesus had a lot to say about this very sensitive subject, and we don't need to rush through it. Our desire is for us all to come to a clearer understanding of God's Word and then apply it to our lives. What we can say definitely this week is that God's intention for marriage is one man, one woman, for one lifetime. And as Pastor Clay pointed out today, the way Jesus defines marriage clearly teaches us that God has some prohibitions concerning the subject of marriage. In two weeks, Pastor Clay is going to come back to this text and explore the question of whether there are any circumstances where divorce is allowed and what are God's expectations for us concerning the subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We hope you can join Join us for that message in two weeks. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating satisfying, life-changing power of the cross, and it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want
Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.